Sophie Hardy and the Internet Implant by Emma Dale. Narrated by Leona Hall. Chapter 12. Trying to tackle it head on. Maths had never felt so long. Having found out that Mr Houghton wouldn't be in until later, Sophie and Yasmin agreed, quietly, that their next best chance to go and talk to him would be break time. From 9 o'clock until 10.15, the girls would have to make do with place value of decimals up to three places. They could both do it standing on their heads, but they needed to prove that they understood it, what with them doing tests at the end of the year. Every now and then, Sophie would think of something else that they needed to ask Mr Houghton and made a quick note on a well-hidden piece of paper. Occasionally, Miss Sissons would come around to their table and look at how Sophie and Yasmin were doing. Sophie no longer thought she would launch into more questions about Clara and Sophie's vision. She was now acting like nothing had happened. About two minutes before break time, Mrs Tabard appeared in the classroom and Ryan tutted and got up to head for his bag because he'd guessed he'd forgotten his dinner money again. Sit down, Ryan. It isn't you I want this time, Mrs Tabard said, beleaguered. Although, if you do want to pay me for next week's meals, you can do. Ryan slumped back down and rolled his eyes. Normally, Miss Sissons would have dealt with this, but she seemed somewhat distracted by Mrs Tabard's arrival. Mrs Tabard looked at Miss Sissons and mimed a phone call in the office by putting her hand next to her head and stretching out her thumb and little finger. Sophie questioned the point in this mime, as she may as well have just said it. All the children had worked out the mime anyway. Then Sophie's thought changed. Everyone knew that school had a phone in case of emergencies, such as the one yesterday, but why was someone ringing Miss Sissons? This was yet more evidence that she didn't have an implant. But why? Who was it? Sophie had never heard Miss Sissons talk about a family of her own. She was very quickly distracted, though, as Miss Sissons checked the time and dismissed the class early for break, and they all hurriedly rushed outside. Katie hung around, hoping that Sophie or Yasmin would come and start a conversation with her, but they got their snack ready as quickly as possible and headed straight for Mr Houghton's office oblivious to Katie, who took herself outside. On their way there, they overtook Mrs Tabard, who was still making her way back to the office. Mrs Tabard took exception to the speed at which they were walking down the corridor. "'Are you two supposed to be inside at break?' she asked, making herself sound important. "Er, uh, yes,' Yasmin stuttered. We're, "'We're on our way to Mr Houghton's office.' Yasmin had always been good at bending the truth slightly or exaggerating. It all added to her drama queen persona. Nothing serious, I hope, said Mrs Tabard, sounding disappointed in the pair of them, despite the fact that neither of them had actually done anything wrong other than walk up the corridor a bit quickly. No, we just wanted to talk to someone about the last few days, Yasmin said. Poor Sophie is still in a bit of shock. At this, Sophie started to pretend to cry. It was so convincing that Mrs Tabard sent them on their way immediately. She didn't do tears or sympathy very well, and she carried on on her own journey back to the office. When Yasmin and Sophie arrived at Mr Houghton's office, they knocked gently. Come in, chimed Mr Houghton. Sophie entered first, followed by Yasmin, and the pair waited to be asked to sit down, as was custom in the head teacher's office. Mr Houghton was making notes on a piece of paper and smiling as he did so. Sit down, girls. Is everything OK? he asked conscientiously. No, not really, Sophie began. She was feeling incredibly nervous. She had spoken to Mr Houghton a million times before, but this was very different. She had never been on a hunt for vital information from him before. He had always been such a kind man, a little over the top with enthusiasm, but she had never been afraid of him. His huge, lumbering frame towered over the pair of them, even though he was sat down, making them feel even smaller. Oh dear, 
Is it the last two days? Has it all been a bit much? He asked. Yes and no, Yasmin interjected. We were just wondering, to start with, with everything that's going on, why you picked us two to have the implant put in? Sophie scowled at her friend. Yasmin wasn't exactly going for discreet or subtle ways of asking questions. She was launching feet first into the key question. Sophie hoped against hope that Mr Houghton wouldn't get suspicious. She need not have worried. Mr Houghton rocked back on his chair and smiled. My dears, I have faith in every child in this school. I could have picked any of you. Yasmin, you stood out because of your confidence and brashness. You can do anything you want in your life, and I know that an implant would help you immensely. Also, you are the sort of person who wouldn't be phased by being the first child to get one. You would just shrug off any attention you didn't like, and it wouldn't bother you. You were born to be on camera and in the limelight, earning all that praise that goes with it. I have a lot of admiration for that. Yasmin beamed from ear to ear. That was one of the most wonderful things anyone had ever said to her. It was certainly unexpected from Mr Houghton, who, quite often, struggled to remember some of the children's names. It was more the sort of thing that Miss Sissons would have said. What about me? Sophie then asked, hoping for a similar answer and also doing away with the softly, softly approach to the questioning. The smile remained on Mr Houghton's face. Sophie Hardy, you work so hard, yet you have so little. You are, my dear, one of the brightest minds I have ever seen and worked with, and I have been working with children for thousands of years. Mr Houghton smiled at his own hyperbole. If anyone can do amazing things with access to a whole universe of information, it's you. Your potential is limitless. Also, you are proving that being famous and receiving attention are positive things and that you deserve all the good things that are going to come soon. Your desire for betterment is completely unique on this planet. The compliments had thrown the girls. They had come into the office expecting Mr Houghton to be hard to read and hard to get information out of. He was quite the opposite. He was talking freely and openly. Sophie and Yasmin relaxed in their seats and as a result their questions got even more relaxed, straight to the point and chatty, not the kind of conversation you would have with the head teacher. Why did you pick Reuben? Yasmin asked. Mr Houghton shuffled in his seat at this question. He's my son. I want the best for him. He too would have no problem handling the limelight of fame. His answer was short and sharp, nothing like the other answers he'd given so far. Yasmin hadn't noticed the shortness, whereas Sophie had. Sophie wasn't going to continue asking about Reuben, but Yasmin ploughed on. Do you think it's a bit unfair on the other children at school? He wasn't one of us until this week. She'd gone too far. Mr Houghton rubbed his chin and wasn't smiling or acting relaxed anymore. He looked flustered and a bit cross that one of the children in his school would accuse him of being unfair. He had spent years priding himself on fairness at Pinkleton and here he was being questioned on it. Eventually, he just smiled and gave a short ha at the girls as if he'd answered their question. Is there anything else? Mr Houghton asked. Yasmin turned to Sophie. She didn't understand why Mr Houghton hadn't answered her question. Sophie did and signalled for Yasmin to stop and move on or risk their cover being blown. Yes, the competition, Sophie began, effortlessly changing the subject. Can you tell us about it? Not really. Mr Houghton's shortness was decidedly noticeable now and Sophie didn't know how to make him relax again. However, she could understand why Reuben was a touchy subject, but the competition? Surely he had nothing to hide there. What did you have to do? Why did we win? How many of the schools entered? Yasmin was getting frustrated at Mr Houghton's lack of compliance. She'd forgotten where she was and what the relationship between pupil and head teacher should be. Sophie glared at her again, but before she could say anything, Mr Houghton raised his voice. Look, I know what you're doing and I know what you want. He was bordering on angry now. 
He snapped in such a way that Yasmin instantly stopped talking and realised she'd stepped over the line. Sophie took a deep breath as she thought the two of them had pushed it too far and that Mr Houghton was going to send them outside and their quest would be over. You want to know who the other two were going to be, don't you? Mr Houghton said, and Sophie breathed out. Yes, we had to stop after Sophie fainted, which meant only three of the five children were implanted and you want to know who was going to be next. Sophie afforded herself a brief smile of relief. They'd gotten away with it. You think if you can gather all the information that you can, you can work it out. I have to say, girls, some people have flat out asked me, parents have threatened me, bribed me, and I haven't told anyone. This is the first time someone has tried to quiz me and piece together clues to work it out. It reminds me of the time... Mr Houghton was blabbering now like he did to the parents. Sophie shrugged at Yasmin. That was the signal to wrap up and quit while they were ahead. Yes, that's it. Yasmin interrupted, now wanting to get out of the office before Mr Houghton launched into one of his long stories. OK, you got us, Sophie said, putting her hands up and going to stand up to make it clear to Mr Houghton that they wanted to leave. He noticed that the girls had had enough and so decided not to tell his long-winded story. Well tried, girls. You got closer than some of the adults, but I'm afraid I just can't tell you. Sophie and Yasmin both stood up and headed towards the exit. Have you heard from Clara since she moved? Mr Houghton asked. Without thinking, Sophie replied, Yes, I spoke to her yesterday. Sophie turned back and looked at Mr Houghton, instantly regretting what she'd just said. Mr Houghton looked like a different person. The mild-mannered head teacher had gone. The person sat in the chair was still the same man as before, but he looked decidedly more evil. His eyes pierced Sophie and his hands were clasped with his elbows on the arms of the chair. He smiled a vicious grin. He had clearly realised what they had come to him for and he had played them at their own game and broken them with one question whereas Sophie and Yasmin had come away with relatively nothing from all their long planned efforts. Before Sophie had a chance to think or react or Mr Houghton had the opportunity to ask any more questions there was a knock on the office door and it flung open before Mr Houghton could say come in. Girls, a word please. Now, said Miss Sissons, sounding urgent. The Sophie Hardy Saga was written and produced by Emma Dale and narrated and produced by Leona Hall. If you enjoyed it and would like to continue to follow the adventures of Sophie and her friends in coming episodes, then please subscribe through one of the many podcast providers out there. The links for each of these can be found on our website. If you require more information, visit our many social media channels or if you would like to purchase a hard copy of the book, then be sure to check out www.sophiehardysaga.com. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy. Thank you.